0: Are you struggling with church hurt? In this video, I'm joined by Aaron Daigle who shares his story of healing from church hurt and how you can do the same. You were in an abusive relationship and like
1: seeing that, like acknowledging that, when I, when I started to see, no, you know, this was a
0: narcissist. This is a sociopath that you were in a relationship with. Listen, I know a lot of people have been hurt by the church. Maybe you felt rejected, ignored, or you felt like you didn't belong. And it's hard to trust again after walking through this sort of pain. In this video, you're going to find Aaron's powerful story.
1: If I could change something, I would go back and instead of siding with my pastor, I would definitely side with my wife and tell my pastor, like, you would, you will never be allowed to speak about my wife like that to me. Yeah. You can bash her with your friends, but you're not going to bash her to me.
0: And how he walked through some struggles with church hurt and ultimately found healing and how it'll help you find hope for your future too.
1: I went through about five years, the tail end of being... Uh, in church, I had a lead pastor, and then I was the sort of the administrative pastor running small groups the spanish church prayer, everything under his ministry in our local church and We had a great relationship he was a father figure to me uh he was he was everything I mean I went to him with all questions and just I adored him you know um the last five years of that though things took a turn uh for the worse he had Got in his head that my wife and I were un, like not being loyal, that we were out, you know, to sabotage his uh, his church or his ministry. But I don't, I don't know exactly. But it it took a very nasty turn. Um, I share a lot of the details on the YouTube videos, not as much as I think I'm going to share in the book ultimately that I put out on it. Um, but yeah. um, man, I, to be honest, dude, I sat on it for years. I have been six and a half years out of that church. And I was scared, bro. I was scared to talk about it, scared to talk about, uh, you know, the fact that I was hurt in church because I felt like, man, doors are going to close. Pastors aren't going to invite us. Podcasters aren't going to want us on their show because, like, in the Christian world, you don't talk about the fact that you were hurt in church. Um, Right. So finally, I just felt led. I got some encouragement for some friends and I shared more of the details on the videos and uh, just been taking, taking wherever the Lord leads us from there, you know, ever since, bro.
0: What was the paradigm for you that caused you just kind of go from this point of you've been silent about it. You know, I don't want to say much. It could cost me your reputation or open doors or whatever to being able to finally get to that place where you're like, you know what? I, I've got, I've got to speak about this now.
1: Hearing how many people are going through it. You know, when, when it, when it all blew up uh, I sat in my house for six weeks. I didn't go anywhere. I did not, I didn't know, have no church, no pastor. I was depressed. I'm not naturally prone to depression. And, um, I I just, I had no direction. Like my, the whole world that I knew was ripped out from under me and I felt very alone, but then there's no resources. Like, where do you go? Who do you go talk to? And I would look for help. And the only thing I found, which was a very solid resource was the bait of Satan. But that was sort of, you know, that's written in the context of whenever like your heart like needs to be right with God. And you like, mm. it, it just, it gave me something, but it wasn't everything that I needed. And I started talking with other people traveling and I'm hearing, you know, I went through this or I'm not in church anymore. I hate God because of this experience. Yeah. And I said, wow, like I'm, I'm not the only one there's other people dealing with this and it, it needs to be talked about.
0: And that beta Satan book is, is fantastic, but you're right. I mean, it's about dealing with the personal offense, but, and, and really checking our motives. Right. But you know, sometimes when when we are correct you know and there is that hurt and those leaders have impacted us it's like man how do I how do I process that and yeah there's so many people man I think about the struggles of modern church and how we're I'm not hopeless but it seems like we're losing ground right especially in America it seems like we're going backwards and I wonder how many folks out there are are struggling with church hurt, and the reason the church is kind of feeling like it's going backwards, even though we are getting closer to eternity. You know, how many people are out there, and they've had these unspoken issues, and they've just abandoned the church as a result. How would you define church hurt? So, say somebody's listening to this, and they're like, you know, "I think I've ever had some experiences, but like when you say church hurt, Aaron, what do you what do you mean by that?"
1: To answer that, and let's continue where exactly what you're saying is this: you know, society is sort of winning and getting ahead to where like this Christian nation, America, you know, the place where God, if he has a place on earth to live, it's America. You know, yeah. um, you know, it's and it's changed. Society has been so disillusioned and, you know, from a lot of misconceptions and, and faulty beliefs, uh, but this hatred from the church that was always in society that has now exploded. Well, now mm-hmm. what we're seeing is a lot of people who were once in church, following in those same trends now. And Mm. so like, there's also this, these massive groups of people with Christian backgrounds who are saying, man, I I hate the church. I'm done with the church. Like, and they're disillusioned with what they've seen. And most of what they have seen has been church hurt, what we're talking about. So with that, you know, talking about what it is, When we go to church, unless we're drugged to church as kids or because we're trying to please a spouse, you know, I mean, for the most part, as an adult, we're going to go with an expectation. I I want to be healed of something. I want, you know, friends I can trust in. I have this expectation of the good that church is going to provide for me. But then once I get there and I get involved, if it is a church where spiritual abuse is happening, the opposite happens. My expectations are shattered. And instead of trustworthy friendships, I now have worse friendships. And I feel like the ones in the world were better. You know, instead of getting healed, I feel like worse off than before, Um, you know. And some of this is is tied to a spiritual leader, a pastor who has selfish Mm -hmm. ambitions and is trying to build his kingdom under the name of God's kingdom. And is just using people to fulfill that purpose. And I when people love. feel used like that and, you know, that they're not being, you know, lifted into the fulfilling of their calling in their ministry, but they're being used to fulfill somebody's selfish ambition because a, a megachurch is going to give him a name. You know, now yeah. he can do the next Stephen Furtick because he's got this big megachurch. And then people feel that and it, it crushes people. You're bulldozing over people to accomplish this kingdom that is said to be God's kingdom, but it's yeah. not. And these words and actions are just leaving Christians disillusioned. And so hence the
0: term church hurt. Yeah. You know, I was listening to Ruslan I don't know if you follow Ruslan on YouTube at all, but he's got some amazing content, but he was having a conversation about uh, the amount of pastors that, that have this communication gift, right. And in the right context, they can use it. But what's happened is for those of us who have a heart for ministry, the church has typically been the only alternative. And so outside of modern culture, you've got a bunch of people that have an incredible communication gift, have a bunch of charisma, but ultimately are in a shepherding role, you know, leading churches, and they really shouldn't be, right? And so it's not good for the leader and it's not good for the church members either, because there's nothing wrong with, you know, building the platform. But when you try to do that in the wrong context, we start to see some of the fallout as a result of that. And so... You said church, man. I love that um, expectation and offense, right? And John Bevere does talk about that in his book. I think one of the quotes in there was, "The greater the expectation, the greater the offense." But let's let's bring that back a little bit, right? Because there should be some expectations when we come to church. Like it should be a safe place, and I, I believe that. Like I think church should be the safest place on the earth to struggle. Said that so many times before. And so how do we how do we deal with that? Right, coming in and we um we are walking into a church and we feel it like, how do you, what are some of the signs, you know, church hurt? I know you did a video that describes what I think nine of them, nine signs, a church hurt and nine, nine signs that it may be happening.
1: Justin, I agree with that too. Like it, it should be, and it is the best place to struggle. It is a healthy place. You know, it's, it's that, just because you get pricked by a needle doesn't mean the whole haystack is full of spikes, you know? And so it's, <laughs> it's, 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 that one, it's like you get into that one church that just warps your idea about it. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah. Of the nine signs, uh, let's kind of talk about uh, two, three of them kind of dance around here. But uh, one of the big ones I've seen is separating you from friends and family, uh, both before and after. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the church is a huge component to our, to our world, but If you're only working in church, your only focus is in church. Like God never called you to just be inside of a bubble. He called Mm -hmm. you to be infiltrating the world and to changing the world, not being like the world, but being that influence, to be that light shining on a hill. And so anything that takes you away from everything to the exclusion of that alone is is sort of cultish. I mean, it it is cultish. So Um, what does that look
0: like? How does that play out? Like when you say separating from friends and family on, you know, you don't have to share any, any personal or specific, but like, how would you describe that? What does that look like for somebody who might wonder,
1: you know, I mean, an extreme example, like, I mean, in, in our case, when we left the church um, we, we had to tell everyone that we were uh, that we, it was our fault that we left uh, because we heard our pastors and we had to sell our house. We had to move out of our city anybody who texted us or emailed us or called us, we were not allowed to respond to them. I mean, so it was an extreme case of like, you know, you are not allowed to talk to anybody in this church ever again. Wow. Um, you know, under threats of like, if you do, I'm going to go after your ministerial license, you know? Wow. Um, and then on the back end was telling the people in his church, you know, or oh, Aaron and Ceci, that's my wife. Uh, you know, they, they were not loyal. They were, um, it, we later found out that he had accused us of stealing money from the church. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was, and, uh, just crazy stuff, but like yeah. those rifts that were completely separating these friendships that we had developed for 10 years as pastors in that church. Um, wow. so that's more of an extreme case, but you know, anything that if, if, you know, 90% of your waking hours is you have to be here. You cannot, you know, do any other activities. Uh, you right. cannot be involved in any other groups then like. Uh, that's that's weird yeah. and cultish
0: yeah absolutely I saw a meme on Facebook not so long ago and it said you know if we, we don't go to the same church anymore we can still talk to each other you know this is church we're not in gangs <laughs> you know, yeah like, yes. you know, that's the, the mindset behind it right and so so the separation from the friends and family so I, you mentioned just a few seconds ago like it was as much as the conversation was like don't even text them anymore and it was like the encouragement was like so basically once you're gone from the church, they're black sheep, right? It's like, we don't, we don't associate anymore. And so I, w- I would reference that back to, again, what you said at the beginning, this mindset of the leader building his own kingdom, right? Instead of the greater kingdom. Um, is that a fair assessment?
1: Oh, absolutely, Justin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, so what about any other signs that you're see- that you've seen that might be helpful? Yeah, you know, talking, talking
1: to you in confidence about the other people in the church, especially if you're like, okay, the pastor bringing you into the confidence and saying, you know, yeah, I'm I'm really concerned about so-and-so. If someone's talking to you about other people, then I guarantee you when the scenario changes, they'll be talking to other people about you. Um, And that, what I found in that scenario and those experiences was that it was pitting everyone against each other. Mm. Uh, And the the one source was the spiritual leader at the top. Just, you know, Gossip, yeah. really? I'm, um, you know,
0: yeah. It's it's crazy to even verbalize it. I'm hesitating as I'm saying it because I'm like, this sounds crazy. It's that that old mindset. It's like this is just between me and you, right? But yeah. when you yeah. have that conversation with six people, it's that really <laughs> the truth anymore? You know? Yeah. And I almost feel like leaders, as some leaders do that at times. It's like if I can, if I can, if the leader can set the tone right across all these conversations then if, if if something blows up, it's like, well, I told you so. <laughs> I told you this was happening, wow. you know? And it's almost like they're setting this, they're building this web, if you will, you know, to almost shield themselves from any maybe accountability or responsibility. On Tom Cruise, I think, is it not Tom Cruise? It was Tom Hanks and that uh, movie, We Were Soldiers. Is it We Were Soldiers? That he was in, was Saving Private Ryan. But he made the comment, one of his uh, soldiers asked me, he said, well, why don't you ever complain to me? And he said, well... Gripes go up, they don't go down, right? And it's that mindset and leadership that if we're complaining to the people that we should be f- complaining about or complaining to the people that we're supposed to be leading, there's something off in that dynamic in that relationship, right? It basically just becomes gossip. Um, not, not everything. I think that's the struggle. Sometimes in church, We my, my opinion is that we use the term venting or we're having private ministry discussions as an excuse to just break the biblical command, not to gossip. You know, we mask them very well give ourselves excuses and permission to do so
1: absolutely bro that's that's exactly that's coined it all in the perfect phrase right there. (laughs) yeah
0: i appreciate it man so um give me one more sign of abuse um you know you're talking about spiritual leaders toxic leaders um you know yeah, how how do they set up these uh, systems to cover their own narcissism, right? Because a toxic leader, and maybe that's that's a whole mouthful right there. <laughs> maybe we can jump into that a little bit in this abuse area. So, as far as covering it
1: up, um, one one thing I've seen is a smokescreen of accountability. You know, it's like, hey, I'm I'm the pastor. You have to submit. You know, spiritual leadership, be loyal to the church, but then who's holding that pastor accountable who is that pastor's pastor and if you ask they may have an answer and it's going to be like some guy who lives nine states away you know (laughs) or it's a a group of pastors who are the board of the church but they're all you know the only thing they know about the church is what that lead pastor is telling them about the church so like Mm -hmm. there's no way to hold him accountable and i get it like the people we're leading should not be you know holding us accountable but like if you have a, a you know I, I think at some point like that that's kind of a warp mindset like it, you should have somebody around you who's close enough who can pull your coattail as they say and say, bro, you're, you're wrong, man you you're, you're not doing this right. You need to check your motives. like somebody needs to be able to confront you um, and, and when you remove all that, and then here's another part of it is put people in positions who who are yes men who mm-hmm. are who are obedient, and then keep, constantly remove people who are voicing concerns. Well, then you insulate yourself with this leadership team of, you know, of yes men. And then people in the church, they might not go to you. They might go to that person on that team. But really, they're getting the same advice from that one person because he's running the whole information input into that one team. Uh, So it's just a couple ideas for us insulating,
0: you know, and and how it's covered up. Being somebody that's in ministry, I connect with people all the time, right? And so I imagine a lot of people that have dealt with some of this stuff, dealt with some of this church shirt like you did, have on – you stayed quiet about it for a while. Right. And so if they did make their way back to the church for one reason or another, I would imagine that individual that's been impacted by this church hurt has insulated themselves. Like, I'm I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get hurt again. You know, how do, how do we recognize that? I mean, how do we minister to somebody who has been in this type of situation, you know, that's had a toxic leader and felt hurt by the church?
1: That is a great question, Justin. Um, There's, there's a lot of caveats to that. And when we get hurt, it is very difficult to plug back in, like from the mm-hmm. perspective of the person who is hurt. Um, it's also, we, we become very prone to being critical of the church and of the new pastor. We've seen the the junk we've been damaged. So we go and we reconnect. Uh, what you're going to experience is a, an inhibition to connect to that new church, to that new pastor. You're going to be very leery and, possibly quite critical uh, just like seeing all the negatives because you're, 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 you're still, you're sore, you know, you don't want to get burned again. And so you're just on this hypervigilance. Um, pastors on the other hand, now you're, you're from, you're asking as a minister, how do we recognize that we are going to see those um, lack of ability to fully commit, um, you know, just maybe not fully given their heart and, and, are checking things out for an extended period of time. We may not know why, unless the person has been vulnerable and opened that up to us, but chances are they're not. Um, I mean, I've heard, I've actually tried to connect hurt people from church hurt to new churches and in the meetings have heard the people flat out tell the pastors, like I will never trust what a pastor ever tells me again. You know, so extensive hurt like that, the pastor then has to assume the responsibility. Am I willing to love these people through this? And Mm -hmm. like, That is going to be hard. It is going to be hard to be criticized as a leader, to constantly be questioned, and to to love people past their hurt. And not every leader is going to be equipped for that. Thankfully, what I have seen is that churches whose pastors have been hurt and then healed tend to attract hurt people, and God uses them to heal them. Most often, you know, God is aware. God is definitely aware of the leader's giftings, and will send the right people to that church for healing. It is challenging on both ends. I cannot overlook that. Uh, for a hurt person to give a new a new pastor a chance is a leap of faith for that person, and for a pastor to love a person past that hurt is it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a lot of willingness just to be like Christ and say, "I'm going to take a lot of, you know, hurt and rejection and criticism, and and just show this person through consistent action." That love is real. That, that mm. Christ likeness is real, and that genuine leadership in the church exists.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So, so Aaron, your story. And how did how did you guys start that path to healing? Like, what was it for you that that got you to this place where you know you recognize what had been done with you? You're out of the ministry at that point. You know, if I understand your story correctly, how did you guys start to uh, pick the pieces back up and heal some of those scars?
1: Yeah. So when we left. Um, I, like I said, I was six weeks just in the house, sitting in a chair in the dark room. Like, I, I mean, I was low. Um, and my father-in-law, who's a pastor kept telling me, he says, you need to go to your presbyter who would be like a Bishop in the Catholic church. Uh, you know, just sort of a leader over a section of pastors. And he says, you need to go tell him what happened. And I was resistant. I said, I'm not going. Cause then I have to explain what happened to my, you know, with my former pastor, I'm not going to shed him in any negative light. And he was very insistent. And I just refused to do it. And out of sheer desperation, I went to a professional therapist and to the presbyter. So I went to both men the same week. And I I had an outline of basically the whole story in like a 30 minute recap to give them context and just said, like, what do I do? What's going on? Um, The therapist helped tremendously because he pointed out basically all the gaslighting that had been happening. Cause I was internalizing this. It's like, you know, is it my fault? What did I do wrong? Did I touch the Lord's anointed? Did I offend God? You know, that I, you know, and all that internal stuff and the things my pastor told me that I would not succeed without him. You know, the direct sabotage. There, just I, I'll tell you the story if we have time here in a minute. But, yeah. um, so the therapist says, you know, Aaron, did, like you were in an abusive relationship, and like seeing that, like acknowledging that, when I when I started to see you know, this was a narcissist. This is a sociopath that you were in a relationship with. Now, the, the results of that is what I'm dealing with. Like the light brought healing. The flip side was talking with the presbyter and he called my former pastor and then it went above my presbyter's head all the way to the, the, the superintendent, which is over the whole state. Wow. And basically after it was all said and done and investigated, I was found to be in right standing with the organization and yeah. the presbyter told the other pastor, he says, man, leave him alone. But I had committed to my pastor. When we had left, he says, you know, sell your house, move out of the city. You cannot go to a church in any of the three parishes, which are counties in Louisiana. Right.
0: Um, wow. I have
1: to say the issue. They gave us this list of things, and I agreed to them. So this the presbyter, who became my pastor, is now currently my pastor, he told me, he says, man, you gave your word and now you're bound by that and you feel this condemnation. He says, you need to call your former pastor and tell him very kindly but respectfully you're, you're not going to do that, that you Amen. are going to honor him, but that's it. And so I called him on the phone and he answered and I, I just told him, I said, look, I, I need to apologize. I gave you my word that I would, you know, not tell people what really happened, that I would sell my house, that I would not go to a church. And I was like, I can't do that. I'm going to live my life freely. And wherever God leads me, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to bash you. Like, and that really broke some things off of us. And then we got into a church a year and a half. We were there and then doors started open. We started traveling and preaching. That was always my call. And I always knew I would travel and speak. Um, Sort of like what they call an evangelist in some circles, right? um, Doors open there. And then, I, the Lord had directed me, you know, quit your job, start writing books, start doing videos. And yeah. it just it, it just picked up and gradually getting involved again, reconnecting with healthy churches, healthy pastors. And over time, it, it, we we found a sense of healing to where we can now talk about it without the hurt, without the pain, you know, without the anger and yeah. we're finding our footing again.
0: Amen. Yeah. You used the word gaslighting, right? And I think on wasn't that Webster's most popular word in 2022? I think it was, it was one of the, it was one of the ones at the top of the list. But can you, I mean, I think people have a good understanding of what gaslighting is. I mean, it's, it's a term that is very prevalent in culture, but can you explain gaslighting specifically in the context of church?
1: We had Saturday mornings. My wife and I would meet for our marriage. We would talk, read a book, a marriage book, You know, his needs, her needs, have some coffee. Well, my pastor instituted a Saturday morning prayer. And we would go, but we started feeling like, man, we, this is our date time. This is our once a week. We both were working full-time jobs. Plus we were both working in the church, you know? And so I was like, man, I, I just, I can't do this pastor. I'm sorry. Like, I'm I'm not going to be able to go. That became a big fiasco. But when, when we were discussing it, you know, it was never like acknowledging or seeing that Hey, like my marriage is important. I'm not. Tr- I'm. I'm dedicating 30 other hours. It was simply like put back on us. Like, well, you don't have a heart for this house. You're not being loyal to this house where God called you. Um, and then we were also punished for that. We were told we were not allowed to travel and speak out in other churches. Uh, Any time yeah. a pastor invited
0: us to speak, we had to tell them that we were busy in our local church. And, so, is uh, your the- district like you have to have the approval of your sending pastor? I would assume to go out and speak. Is that? Kind of how they had that control, if you will, we,
1: yes, um, it's sort that. of an unsaid thing uh within within that church, uh, however, thankfully, about fifty percent of what we do in ministry is inside of that organization. we also yeah. you know we're 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 spread a lot wider than just that organization, but yeah. it was a personal thing. there was no leverage as far as like I had to do it. it was simply like I felt like honoring my pastor was honoring Man. God like. You know, so organization aside, whether it was in the organization or pastors outside of the organization, I always told them no, because that's what my pastor had told me to do, yeah. even though it was punitive. Like that was that was irrelevant.
0: Um, yeah, so I think that's just, good 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 context though, for those who are listening to see your heart in the matter. Right. It's like, here I am. I'm just trying to honor the man I got in front of me. And yet it's constantly taken advantage of. Or, you know, we, you see these gaslighting techniques that were being used against you and it's on Man, so what would you say if we, let's just say there's somebody listening to this and they're seeing some of this in their church, um, you know, the advice, man, do they, do they run? Do they try to confront it? You know, how to, how to, they're not at the point where they've been hurt yet, right? It, it hasn't gotten this that, that bad, it hasn't mushroomed up, but they're recognizing some of these signs and like, I feel like I could be entering into this and I kind of see it on the horizon. How do they deal with that?
1: In that particular context, I would simply advise to just go somewhere where it's healthy okay. unless you feel like God has put you there to address it. Gotcha. Um, you know, if, if, but that's, that's going to be far and in, in, in few between, I think that's going to be for ministry, lay ministers, um, uh, maybe youth pastors, assistant pastors, guys like that who are in ministry and are seeing the problems and you've already committed to that church. And now you're seeing these red flags. In that that case, like you might be there to influence it and, and just up and packing and leaving right away might not be good. If you're just visiting a church and you're in the crowd and you're like looking around on a Sunday morning and you see like, you know, seven out of the nine signs that I talk about in the video, <laughs> yeah. glaring at you in the face, I'd be like, you know what, I'm just, I'm gonna go to a different church next Sunday.
0: Just right. <laughs> so <it's> the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so for the lay minister, they've got to be able to the youth pastor, if, if I'm on staff or I'm serving in a church in a leadership role, then my response is really, I need to seek God and make sure that I've been brought here to influence this change, right? Uh, it, before I start going down that battle. But if I'm a member or I'm just, You know, I'm I'm hitting the church up on Sunday, maybe volunteering every once in a while. It's a battle they probably you would advise against somebody fighting.
1: Yeah, Justin, it's it's the Bible says, you know, engaging in a quarrel that's not your own is Mm -hmm. like a passerby who grabs a dog by the ears, you know, And, and I can. There's a whole nother caveat to spiritual abuse, which is the spirit of Jezebel. And I know that that a lot of people have a very limited experience with Jezebel. They think it's just a a promiscuous woman, which is is a very narrow-minded view. Jezebel is not attached to a man or a woman. It is a spirit of control and manipulation that comes into somebody's heart whenever they have been abused and have not fully healed from that abuse, be it sexual, physical, whatever. And that spirit seeks the highest position in politics, in church, in business, because it wants to control and transfer hurt and offense. So a lot of times when we have spiritual abuse happening in a church, what is happening is that that lead pastor or whoever is in that position that is hurting people is tied to a spirit of Jezebel. That being said, the spirit of Jezebel is highly confrontational, very intimidating, very demeaning. And so anytime you try to address it, even if it's in it the right spirit, even though you have legitimate facts, most likely you're going to get, you are going to get your head chopped off in the, mm-hmm. you know, figuratively speaking in, in the situation. And so if God has called you there, you know, if he's put a Jehu anointing on you to confront this, You know, I don't want to tell nobody, you know, not to move forward and charge into the battle. Um, You know, the Bible says if your brother has ought against you, go to him. And it says, you know, if you know, if you have something against your brother, go to him. So either way, whoever's at fault, it doesn't matter. It tells you to confront the person privately and then to go and bring other people. But again, it also tells you another context. You know, don't just go engage in a battle unless unless the Lord's sending you into it. So. Chances are it's not going to be your fight. You probably need to just leave because it's just yeah. going to get worse and blow up in your face and you can be gaslighted. And then the longer you entangle with that, the more confusion and disillusionment will, will result. Yeah. Um, but if you want to take that approach, I mean, you know, well, somebody needs to deal with it. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. But when we sit under it, though, you know, those of us in the faith, I mean, I don't think we could ever imagine. I used to share this with addicts, people that were struggling with addiction all the time. Nobody woke up one day and said, I'm just going to become an addict overnight. There was this progression of things that happened. And I think sometimes, you know, in the context of church, we could sit under this and continue to be chipped away at for years. Wow. And then the mindset behind that is as we're being chipped away, you know, then we end up in a position Well, I'm just done with the church. But nobody that's serving God, you know, faithfully thinks that they're going to be in a position where they eventually could be hurt and abused so much that they just walk away from their faith entirely. And so I think it's good advice, you know, like that you just gave, not my battle to fight. Like I've, you know, there may be, there may be a scenario in a, in a hill that the Lord calls me to die on, but when it comes to the value of church relationship and church family, and, you know, I need to be in a healthy place because I'm called to serve that church. But then also, that place is called to help my family grow and mature. And if I'm constantly fighting these battles and being chipped away at, then, it, you know, it's not, that's certainly not healthy for the individual that's in it. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'd say 99.9% of people that applies to you. Like there was one Jehu in scripture
0: who got you with Jezebel. <laughs> like that's it, you know? So yeah. well, you I grew know, up Pentecostal, man. They threw the J. Je- they threw the Jezebel term around everybody, you know. Anybody they disagreed with. The Jezebel spirit. Oh <laughs> yeah. <I> yeah. <laughs> and
1: and, was... and that's sad that because it it takes away from the reality of what that spirit is. And yeah, but that's another
0: you know, it's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, Aaron, you're back. You're engaged in the ministry again, man. The Lord's using you to travel and share stuff on the internet. Like, and I know you did a video on three ways to serve God after. And, and I'm gonna link this whole series for Aaron down in the description. But um, what did that look like? The journey back, right? What what would you um let's say there's somebody listening that's recovering from church hurt, and now it's like, okay, I think I'm ready to be vulnerable again. And I'm ready to engage in the ministry um, you know, what did that look like for you? And what might that look like for somebody else?
1: Bro, the revelation of like, okay, it's okay to talk about this and to call it for what it actually is, was the number one step because yeah. I was so afraid to say it. Like, I felt like if I talk about church hurt, I'm the problem. If I mm. say that my pastor abused me, then it's, it's me who was the one who caused all this. And right. so you like to, you have to reveal in order to heal. Like, what did yeah. I go through? You have to acknowledge this. And, and that, that's key. I know it's so simple, but like in my case, man, I sat for too long, not naming it. Once you ready, like you asked, you know, take that. how do you take that step? You sort of got to challenge yourself. You, you have to give yourself time. You just can't give yourself forever. I actually was sitting at the table, and I um, had some people who were hurt in church. And there was an, there was another minister at the table. The person says to the hurt person, "You just just get involved. I don't understand. Like just just jump in, you know." And and I thought to myself, you know, that's like telling someone with a broken leg, you mm-hmm. know, oh, just, just start jogging again. If you jog, like the the leg will be okay. That's true, but it's not true right now but right. the person cannot sit and heal with their leg propped up for the rest of their life. Like yeah. there's a timing to it, but at, at some point you have to reset that bone. And you have to get back up on it and do some physical therapy and it's not going to be comfortable. What happened to us is not our fault, but healing from it is our responsibility.
0: That's good. So, yeah.
1: Taking that leap of saying, I am going to trust again. I am going to, you know, connect with a, another church. I am going to reengage. Those are some very basic, like simple, but not easy steps to right. take. Yet necessary.
0: Yeah, and it's okay for the person, right, to put some boundaries in place, right, Absolutely. to protect themselves. Like, like sometimes, like I'm just gonna dive all in. You know, I, I don't know how to swim, but I'm in the pool and I ain't got no life vest on. You know, in the eight yeah, foot. And so my, my kids do that all the time. They try to. They want to run and jump in the eight eight foot section of the pool especially the younger ones. And it's like, hold on, you know, hold up, hold up a little bit. I don't want to have to jump in and save you, you know, and you can't swim. And so it's okay for them to put that life vest on, have a, have a little bit of boundaries. Do you have any insight into that? What type of boundaries, uh, you know, that type of person would put in, in place? Uh, so Not that type of person, sorry, that was the wrong term to use. Somebody who's been hurt by church. That sounded yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. Boundaries
1: or, healthy. And yeah. any healthy person will have boundaries. Jesus had boundaries. You know, they, it's, it's kind and it's Christ-like to be kind to people and to answer their questions and things like that. But Jesus would say, like, you know, they're trying to trip him up. And he's like, they're saying, well, tell me, you know, how you do this or what. And he says, I'll tell you what. You tell me, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, we, we don't know. He's like, well, I ain't telling you either. You <laughs> right. know, like, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. play those games. I'm not going to allow yeah. you to corner me. I'm not, you know. And, and that's a very small example, but um, Paul also was, you know, very, very firm in, in his identity and would not let people just say anything about him without, you know, him speaking up. Yeah. Um, I did read Safe People and I read Boundaries, both by the same author, Cloud mm-hmm. and Townsend. And I, I have read Safe People man, yet. Yeah. Oh, man. Safe People's fantastic. And it, specifically even more so than Boundaries for people who are dealing with church hurt because it shows you how to deal with... A narcissist or a sociopath or some somebody particularly who is very unsafe, which would yeah. definitely fit the qualifications. Um but the 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 biggest thing we can talk about here with boundaries I'll say is to just like understand that having boundaries is good. It's Christ-like it's healthy. Yeah. That is the biggest misconception. It's like if I set up boundaries like that I'm being mean or I'm being unchristian, that is f- the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah boundaries are absolutely essential. The reason we got hurt in the first place is because we did not have healthy boundaries in place. Mm. Like, it, as as far as our responsibility, again, it's not our fault. And I'm not, right. but, you know, however, as far as our responsibility, had we had healthy boundaries in place, we would have been, we would have been protected, right? And yeah. so a caveat to what you go through in church Heart is to learn that, okay, I need to put up boundaries. Yeah. It, yeah. It is, <laughs> I imagine that's
0: got to be so hard, man. Like when you're, looking at a leader and we we use these terms narcissist and sociopath and like out of the people that are supposed to be our shepherds, like, and that, I can't, I can't even imagine. That's a hard dichotomy like to swallow that, you know, when I see the way Jesus was direct, but man, he, he, he loved, you know? And and when I think of Jesus as the shepherd, you know, and and the pastor is supposed to be that shepherd for me, not my Jesus, but my shepherd. Right. And then I, get entangled with this person who's narcissistic and, and has all these tendencies. I mean, that's just really got to wreck wreck the brain and the heart a little bit, you know, to, to have that yet that relationship be so perverted, if you will, from, from what it's supposed to be. Absolutely, bro. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's devastating, man.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, um, man, I'm grateful for you speaking up and talking about it. I think that, uh, you know, as I, I brought out in the intro, a lot of times we think church hurt and we go to this extreme and we think about some of these huge you know, scandals that have happened in the church publicly and, and all the people that have been hurt by those things. But really, Aaron, what I'm getting from you is that this church hurt thing is something that happens at a much more micro level across the country. It's not always these huge scandals, but it's kind of the, the this day-to-day on kind of entanglement with spiritually abusive leaders. Um, would that be a, be a fair assessment?
1: I think it says where selfish ambition exists, every evil. Yep. In James 3, 16, it says, you know, where, where there's selfish ambition, you will find every kind of evil. Mm. Right. And so going back to what we expect, we expect that a shepherd that a pastor would be loving and selfless and helpful and like shepherding people. But yeah. when there's selfish ambition, like it's, somebody who is leading a church that has not dealt with that that soulish arena in their lives that is like in it for for my name. Like the Bible says every kind of evil exists. So manipulation, control, fear, confusion, perversion, like all of these things are there. That's a guarantee from the word, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the, the big things are gonna catch the media attention. But, you know, unfortunately there's no, like you don't have to literally appear before God and say, God, okay, I feel called to pastor a church. Should I pastor a church? And he give you a stamp of approval. Like it's the beauty of being in a Christian nation is that any Joe blow on any street corner (laughs) can start a church.
0: Right. (laughs) Um, So,
1: you know, Hey, you know, did God endorse that pastor? I mean, I I don't know, but I think even, even good men can get crossed up, you know, Solomon started out well, and then Mm. he got crossed up, you know? Um, I yeah. just, oh man, if the heart is not dealt with and the person goes high in ministry, then a lot of other people can get broken in the process.
0: Yeah. If you could hop in a DeLorean, I got my DeLorean over here, my time machine, and, um, and go back to the beginning of all this. And there's one thing that you could have done different you know, and I know, I know you didn't cause the abuse. Right. And so we're, you know, that's not my intent in the question, but if there was one thing that you you could have done different, you know, either on that topic of boundaries or whatever, you know, what would it have been back when all this was unfolding? So,
1: so I was always sort of drinking the Kool-Aid if you will. Um, and really what changed the, so I told you five years, the last five years was, was much, Different and was bad. What changes that I got married. And my wife came in as she she was an outsider, so she had a very objective viewpoint. She wasn't subjectively tied to the pastors the way I was. So she voiced some concerns immediately. And immediately when my pastor realized that my wife was seeing through the facade, he turned against her. And he was, he was, he was trying to stop her influence. But the wow. way he did that was he brought me into his confidence against my wife. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was a newly married man who really believed deep in my heart that honoring and doing whatever my pastor told me to do was to just, to, it's like that was honoring God. And so whatever he told me, even negatively about my wife, I would tell her as well. And so I was yeah. beating my wife verbally, like, you know, you got to change. You got to get your heart right, like alongside of this abusive pastor. And, like, now looking back, I am, as a man, as a Christian, I am, I'm embarrassed. I feel like I was, like, like I, I hurt my wife. Yeah. Um, I did it under, like, complete, like, just not knowing. But I just, I'm embarrassed. I don't know how else to say it, bro. It's, like, I, I, I was a horrible husband in that moment. In that, and that I did not stand up to this man. And it's like, like, I now see that like my marriage, that is the most important relationship and nobody's allowed to come between that. Yeah. You know, and I good, allowed that my ignorance. And so I feel it, Vaughn, I can hear it in my voice, bro. But like, yeah. if I could change something, I would go back and instead of siding with my pastor, I would definitely side with my wife and tell my pastor, like, you would you would never be allowed to speak about my wife like that to me you can bash Uh, her with your friends but you're not going to bash her to me
0: yeah Um, man that's good thank you for sharing that i know that's yeah i know that we can't change the past but hearing those type of stories man and those examples are helpful for those who may find themselves in the middle of it you know and trying to decide okay what do i do now you know what 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 do i do from this point on and man I, i just wanted to speak real quick to that before we wrap up but you know that that whole thing about the the pastor that that thing that keeps resonating to me through this whole conversation is that pastor bringing that person into their confidence and it's like we're we're spiritual leaders and you know we we pastor but we're not we're you know wonder how many therapists do you hear talking to their other clients about their clients right there Ah. should be a level of confidentiality that a pastor is required to keep you know somebody comes to me for pastoral counseling you know i have that's between me and that person. But man, that, that sign, I never even thought about it that way of that person having those side conversations and like, well, this is attorney client privilege, if you will, you know, it's just between us, but like, no, the pastor has to guard against that. And Aaron, before we wrap up, man, my encouragement to any spiritual leaders that may be watching, if you've heard some of these examples, you know, that you're hearing this, like, like first and foremost, like I, listen, I'm a sinful human as a leader and a pastor, and and I need people in my life speaking to me to make sure that I'm guarding against becoming, you know, one of these leaders that hurt, hurts people. And that's the hard conversation to have, right, to understand that all of us in the flesh, if we're not um, pursuing the Lord's ambition, we're susceptible to becoming these people that hurt. No, no pastor sets out to do that either, not to excuse the ones who are doing it, but for the spiritual leaders out there, man, like you've got to guard yourself. You know, we we sometimes, uh, you know, the scripture talks about a man does what's right in his own eyes, you know, but the Lord established the steps. And so many times we begin to make decisions that are this is right in my eyes. This is the right thing to do. And then on the other end of that, there are people. Well, I appreciate it, man. Aaron, would you take a second? And um, I mean, I know some of this stuff wasn't easy to share, and I appreciate you opening up and sharing your heart, not just with us here, but with just, you know, out there on the internet in general, man, dropping this stuff out there. And I know you're adding value when you go and you preach at different places, man. I can hear your heart for the Lord and your heart for Jesus and people and everything that you do, man. How can people find you and connect with you uh, if they want to learn more?
1: Yeah. I hang out on YouTube mostly and I'm on Instagram as well, but it's pretty simple. Uh, My name's Aaron, like spelled like the brother of Moses J (laughs) for James, like the brother of Jesus. Uh, and Daigle, like the brother of Lauren Daigle. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm not a sibling to any of the three. Right, Lauren okay. Jay Daigle. <laughs> nice. uh, my books are on Amazon. My videos are on YouTube, and uh, I'm on Instagram sometimes.
0: Hey, thanks so much for watching. This. If you enjoyed this, please click subscribe and like the channel so that we can get these stories out to more people. Or you can watch another episode over here.